Hi, this is Pastor Joel Webin with Right Response Ministries, and once again, you're listening to Theology Applied. This episode, I was privileged to have back onto the show for a second time now, John Harris with Conversations That Matter. Let's just be frank for a moment. Sadly, many of the pastors and leaders in the evangelical church today are merely carrying water for the political left. There are not a lot of ministries like ours right now on social media, on podcast platforms. There are faithful guys out there, but they're few and far between. We need this ministry to sustain, and by God's grace, our prayer is that it would grow. But the reality is that conservative institutions, conservative ministries, conservative organizations often don't thrive because conservatives and Christians, we support people who hate us. Yes, you heard me correctly. We support companies, corporations, and even ministries, their books, their conferences, that at the end of the day, they hate us. If you're conservative, if you stand for Christ, his word, his truth, if you're a Christian, if you don't like being told that you're guilty and sinful for being white, then, then you don't need to support the ministries and the organizations that at the end of the day hate you and your children. So our prayer and our humble request is that if you're able to do so, that you would support ministries like ours. You can do so by going to our website, rightresponseministries.com. You can give a donation of any amount. We greatly appreciate it. We have big plans for the future, but we can't do it without you. The last thing that I want to say is this. If you are a Christian business owner and you have a conservative business that stands for Christian values and American values, and you would like to advertise with somebody who agrees with those views, we would like to be that somebody. If you're looking to advertise, Right Response Ministries has just put together its media kit. Uh, we have competitive pricing for anyone who's willing to sponsor one of our shows. We want to partner with Christian conservative businesses that want to fight for the truth of Christ and fight for the American nation. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Thanks for tuning in. Applying God's Word to every aspect of life. This is Theology Applied. All right, welcome back to another episode of Theology Applied. I am joined, as I've already mentioned, by John Harris. He leads uh, his podcast called Conversations That Matter, and he also has just come out with his latest book, Christianity and Social Justice, Religions in Conflict. So, John, introduce yourselves and tell us what, what motivated you to write this book. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joel. Uh, it's an honor to be invited back to something. So uh, we were just talking, I know, what, now a month ago or so, and, and it's good to be back on the podcast. And I enjoyed uh, the, the last time. I'm sure we'll have a great discussion this time. Um, so the book, Christianity and Social Justice, um, is my second book on the topic of social justice. I, I came out with one called Social Justice Goes to Church, which was more of a history of the movement and uh, the social justice movement and evangelicalism. And this one's more of um, a, a history first of secular social justice and then a critique of it. So I compare it to Christianity and I use the title actually, the, the inspiration came from Jade Gresham Machen's book, uh, Christianity and Liberalism. So this is Christianity and Social Justice. And, um, and so we go through the, the ethics and the epistemology and the metaphysics. And I know those are all fancy words to some people, but just basically the philosophy of social justice and, um, and, and there's a whole chapter on the social justice gospel, how they syncretize 
these, these false teachers, the gospel of Jesus Christ with the social justice gospel. And uh, there's, it's just that there's a lot of really good resources. A lot of names are named people that you would even recognize today. So I, I made it for um, people in the church today who are wondering what's going on. What can I do about it? Who are the people that are pushing this? What are they pushing? Uh, just a lot of questions that I had, things that honestly, I wish I knew going into seminary, I wanted to give that to someone maybe who's going into seminary now, or or even just a layman at their church who just cares about um, orthodoxy in the direction of of their congregation. So uh, so anyway, yeah, you, I'm kind of getting, I guess, around to the question you asked, what do I do? I write books, obviously. Uh, and and so I'm an author. I uh, sounds weird saying that, but when you, I have two books that are out there on this topic. So uh, yeah, you're an author. And then uh, that, that, yeah, all you need is one, right? So, um, and then also right. I, I host the Conversations That Matter podcast. That's how most people probably know me. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like hiking. And, and you, and, I mean, you put out episodes daily. <laughs> um, Almost. I mean, lately you have. It seems like every day I, I check my podcast platform and boom, there's John Harris. Just yeah. about, right? I try. I try to do uh, five or six a week. Um, right now, it's stretching me a little thin because I got like 50 other things going on. But I, I'm still going to try. Even after we're done with this, I'm going to try to record tomorrow morning's podcast if I can. We'll see if it, it actually happens. But That's yeah. impressive. I'm, yeah. I'm always impressed because you know, I'll look at it and I'll be like, he still has something to say. That's impressive. <laughs> he's, you know, I thought we covered all of it yesterday, but yeah, he's got well, something. So that could that's be a great, bad man. thing too. That could be just, I, I like to talk or something. I don't know. No. Yeah. No, no, no. You have good things to say. All right. Well, let, let's go ahead and dive into it then. What, what is, you know, the social justice gospel or, you know, in your first book, uh, you, you talked about, you know, when social justice goes to church um, and that one, you talked about the whole gospel. And I have no doubt that you've addressed that in your second book, Christianity and social justice as well. What, what is the whole gospel? How, how would you define that? And why is that not the gospel? Yeah, well, I'm trying to use their terminology. They like to say that they have the whole gospel or more often they'll accuse, um, well, they'll use the term fundamentalist, but it's people usually like us. It's people who are confessional or orthodox in their theology. They'll say that they have a partial gospel if they leave out some kind of a social justice works righteousness. So um, I, I like to think of, uh, let, let's, let's use Tim Keller right now as an example and um, one of his first influences uh, Tim Keller, when he was a young man, heard uh, Tom Skinner, um, a recording of Tom Skinner preaching at Urbana 70. And Tom Skinner, it, you can actually go look up the speech. He talks about two different gospels, a gospel of the, so, the, the social gospel. So the gospel of like the mainline denominations. Right. And we, we, we condemn that as a heresy. That's what Jay Gresham Machen was writing against. That's that's not the gospel. But he he says Tom Skinner says, well, that's one gospel. Then you have the, the gospel of the fundamentalists. The fundamentalist gospel is about personal salvation. The, the gospel of uh, the social gospel advocates is a corporate or systemic kind of salvation of some kind. And you need both of them, really. And, and if we just merge these two together, then we'll have the true balance, the, the whole gospel. And if you just have one of them, you're wrong. And so, I mean, this that's really... So fun. I got to stop yeah. you for just saying that's Please so do. funny because that you're saying that guy... Is Tom Skinner is the guy who basically inspired Tim Keller. And just as you were giving that example, all I could hear was Tim Keller. I feel like that's every sermon. And, and the Lord used him immensely years ago, you know, with the prodigal God and things like that. But that every, it's always this third way, right? So on the one hand, you have da-da-da-da-da. On the other hand, you have da-da-da-da-da. 
but they're both right. wrong. And the implication is um, they're both equally wrong. So I hate when he does it with politics. You know, it's like, well, you have Democrats and you have Republicans and then you have Jesus. And, right, but right. the impression is that like, <laughs> like both of these parties are equally – like republicanism is not synonymous with the gospel of Jesus Christ or even the law of God. It, it shouldn't be synonymous with the gospel because that's not the purpose of government. The government legislates law. But it's not even – sadly, the Republican Party is not even synonymous with the law of God um, in many ways. But, but, to, but to give people the impression – there are so many gospel-centered Christians that I meet all the time, and, and they are completely, their conscience completely assuaged that they could vote Republican or Democrat because they're both equally bad. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. Okay, there are problems here. No, this is not synonymous with Christianity, and no, I don't think it's faithfully living up to what Scripture says um, uh, that, that, that a political party should, or, or the government should try to execute. Um, but but we have one political party that's responsible for 60 million dead babies that, that, you know, like, like the, it's, it's like, like John Piper, man, I, I I've been so blessed by John Piper, but that article he wrote, you know, right before yeah. the election, you know, and it's just like to compare, to compare a, a brash Twitter account to, to, to what we, what we've had for the last nine, 10 months in this new administration we're talking about thousands of people uh, left in Afghanistan, hundreds of American citizens left in Afghanistan. We're talking about um, uh, forced uh, jabs on the private sector. Um, we're talking about uh, all, just the, the kind of – and to say, you know, they're both bad. And really – because what was implied in that article is – and really, I mean – the, the, the Twitter account is worse. And, and then you have all these Christians. I bump into them all the time. And, the, and, and that is exactly, it's, it's the third way Keller kind of, there's this and there's this and they're both bad. And the impression, the, the implicit thing is equally bad. And Piper's article and, and, and it's all those things combined that, that have made Christians that I bump into and I know you bump into all the time that they really, I mean, they're not trying to be maniacal or malicious. They truly believe that, that when it comes to our vote, you could go either way and, and both have problems, different problems, but equal problems. And then there's this third way, but that third way is not on the ballot. And so when, when we come into the voting booth, you know, it's a free for all. You yeah. do whatever you want. So go, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct about that. Keller does this a lot um, with, with a number of different issues. In fact, there was, I wish I could remember the specifics of it. He endorsed a book recently. A, a few people were surprised about on um uh can't can't remember the topic but it was it was someone who would we would consider conservative and um it was it was again though one of these things where uh it it was someone trying to write kind of a moderating position between two things so uh it, it was kind of like in favor of two kingdoms theology but we're not radical two kingdoms and we're not one kingdom it's just kind of this traditional two kingdoms theology and keller loves that kind of stuff because i if you just observe the guy and I've read a lot of, and listened to a lot of his stuff, he really is comfortable with, uh, moderation, I guess he, he runs for the middle and, right. um, he likes to transcend things too, as well. Like, Hey, look, all these people are wrong. All these people are wrong. And look, I'm the one kind of with the, I've got the secret right. key almost. Um, so it, it's a real problem though. I mean, we can talk about some of the, the, like what you just even mentioned with politics is, is a problem. It really is. But that's ethics. When you, when we talk about the gospel, this is like, in my opinion, this is, um, and I think in God's opinion, this is on a whole nother level. 
this is an error that is uh, we can put it in the category of false teaching, to be quite frank, because um, when you start adding things to the gospel and saying, well, you, you know, you've just articulated to me salvation um, by faith um, or by, by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is finished work. And that's the gospel, the good news. And that's not enough. You got to do this thing over here too. You got to right. help the poor in some kind of a redistribution scheme or something. Now you're adding works to it. Now you're adding a category of law to it. And that's exactly what Paul said in Galatians not to do. And so um, that's what I think I see in the landscape of evangelicalism today, pervading it is this attempt to somehow merge the gospel or this glorious message with some kind of a political or um, social agenda and, and what it's manipulative because Christians are supposed to be sharing the gospel. That's their primary job in, in many of their minds. That's the great commission, right? Um, to make disciples, but preaching the gospel is a, a big part of that. And so if you can convince them that they need to be go, uh, they need to go uh, do activism or something, they'll do it because they think God commanded them to, because now it's in the category of gospel. So it's incredibly manipulative and it's, it's just false teaching. So um, that's, that's uh, my, I have a section in the new book, um, chapter three called the social justice gospel, where I give examples and I talk about this. Um, But yeah, the, the first one, social justice goes to church. I talk about it as well, because it's just a hallmark of, of the progressive evangelical movement. So Right. And you use, you, you use the language that they use and the language that they use yeah. is the whole gospel. And, you know, and so you're absolutely right. It's adding works to the gospel. I think it was Luther who said, you know, you can err in three ways, preach gospel without law. You can preach law without gospel, or you can preach both law and gospel, which we should, but blur the lines between the two. That's right. And that's what these social justicians do is they, they're, they preach. Well, it's even worse than that. Um, it's not just preaching law and gospel, um, with, with blurred lines. It's uh, because, because a preacher can preach law and gospel and admit that he's preaching law and gospel, but, but sometimes lack clarity in his categories between the two. But they're preaching law and gospel, but saying that they're only preaching gospel. They're, they're putting gospel as the header for, for the whole thing. And so, and so yeah. you know, it's, it is a heresy because it's exactly what Paul was writing to the Galatians. So you're, you're exactly right. And the Great Commission that you mentioned you know, this, this interpersonal evangelism, let's go uh, into the world, make disciples, let's share the gospel. Uh, but we also, of course, need to disciple them, baptize them into the, the triune God, into the name of the triune God, and teach them to obey all my commands. Well, the social justicians, I'm sure you're aware of this. We were talking a little bit before we recorded. They, they have kind of this, this new category. There's the Great Commission, but there's also the Great Requirement. And they're going to use Micah 6.8 for the Great Requirement. I'm just curious. I'd like to hear your opinion, John. Uh, how... How would you exegete? How do you believe faithful expositional preachers should exegete Micah six eight? Um, if you want to take a second and pull it up, or I, I can grab it. Well, I I would say I, I mean I, I try to use the principles that I learned. Um, actually, ironically, it wasn't in seminary. It was really at my church before I went to seminary. But um, seminary didn't teach me much <laughs> in the hermeneutics class there. But uh, I try to take it in the context of the time. I try to look at the the grammar that's um, the, the things that are in front of it, behind it, uh, in the general course of, of the Bible. So to do justice uh, means it, it it has a specific context. And and when we see the word mishpat in Scripture, oftentimes it's used in this. Um, it, it can be used. It has a wide range of uses, but um, 
it, it means to be uh, to be to, to to treat someone with equity in before the law before. So so I'm not going to favor someone because uh, they are my brother or they're poor and they're pulling my heartstrings because I just I'm, I'm going to do justice to people. Uh, I'm going to treat them fairly to treat, try to treat them the way that God would treat them. And, um, and what happens often and, and, and Dottie Lewis's great requirements, a good example of this is he just takes that phrase to do justice. And it's like that word justice just gets completely redefined and he imposes everything. The social justice movement says about doing justice. And it's a trick that they do all the time. They'll take these passages from the old Testament uh, where God's judging Israel for something, you know, and then they'll say that, well, look, they weren't, they weren't feeding the poor enough. They should have had a social justice scheme going of some kind. And we're doing the same thing with ethnic minorities. Or, and they, they make these leaps without failing to realize there's individual sins that they're all participating in. God is judging. Like they're actually doing evil. Um, it's not just like, like Ron Sider said once, benefiting from trade patterns or something. Like, you know, we're just sitting here not doing enough. And no, it, it's actually, there, there's an active element to it. And that's, I think, um, that's, I think what's often missed is that uh, there's, th- I mean, th- there's sins of omission, there's sins of commission, but when, when God says to be, uh, to, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with him, uh, this is something that is, is so serious that if you fail to do it, you're in sin and, and you're under God's judgment. And so I think um, today, what happens is if you're just living your life, trying to raise your children, trying to lead your family, uh, work a job, do it, and, and you don't have much energy left, let's face it, at the end of the day, they'll come with more law. And, it, and it's, it's just, it's never enough. You, you always must do more to satisfy some social justice law out there. Uh, yeah. And so, so just, just to wrap it up with Dottie Lewis and the great requirement, that whole teaching from uh, Nam. It's it's adding law to law. It's it's yeah. you, you, we already have the great commandment. So he's saying, in addition, there's the great requirement. So he's even acknowledging right. there's a separation. There's the great commandment. We know we have that. We have the great commission. And now he's adding on something else, a social justice scheme and then equity, diversity, inclusion. That's part of it. it it's such right. a trick. It's just it's not in the You're text. Right. You're not going to see those things jump out at you. It's not egalitarianism. So, right. Yeah, go, no, go for it. I know you right. want to say something. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're, you're absolutely right. Super helpful. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord uh, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And you're right. It's adding law to law. And the problem with social justice is uh, not only is it not the gospel, but social justice isn't even justice. So, it, it, you know, it's, right. it's one thing to try to, to try to, to try to, um, tied on as an amendment to the gospel of salvation by free grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's already um, a heresy if you're adding it to the gospel. Um, but, but then it's, it's not even, it doesn't even fall into the category of law. And the law is not a bad thing. I wish Christians had a better, there's so much aversion and antinomianism in the church today. The law is good and holy and right. We love the law of God. Um, the law of God shows us how to respond to the gospel. It shows us uh, not to, how to earn the favor of God, but how to respond in gratitude for the free favor we've received uh, through Christ Jesus. Uh, but the problem is that the social justice, it doesn't even, it's, it's not even, John and I, what we're saying, we're not just saying that social justice 
is a problem because it's being, it's being pushed and peddled as the gospel, and it's a blurring of the lines between law and gospel, that is a problem. But there's also the sense in which social justice, it doesn't even fall into the category of God's law. There is no category of social justice. And, and so our problem is not just social justice isn't the gospel, but Micah 6.8 says, do justice. Anyone who does social justice fails to do justice because social justice is, is you have your finger on the scale. You already know well, the outcome. I mean, you, you, you already to, have a bias. Jump to Go verse ahead. 11. Can I excuse dishonest scales or bags of false weights? So it's like you, you, could, you, you have just a few verses over some, ver- some, some passages you could totally use to dismantle social justice and say, you're trying to weight scales. That's the whole point of right. your whole scheme. And it literally says a few verses later, you're not supposed to be doing that. That's one of the things that God says is, is in keeping with, with not doing justice. It's the opposite. It's contrasting this. So there, there's an attitude. And, and one of the things um, I kind of said this, but I'll try to make it clearer just for everyone listening. It, it, there's these general passages. And that's what you see here. Micah 6, 8. It's an attitude. It's, it's a way someone lives. It's a lifestyle. Acting, uh, act justly, loving mercy, walking humbly with God. That's just what a righteous man should be doing. And, and they'll take these general passages and they'll slip in their specific categories. And then you got to watch out for that because... Um, make them prove it. Okay. What do you mean? What, what do you mean when you say justice? What, what, what's that mean to you? Well, we got to make this a more equitable space and platform diverse voices or something like that. Okay. Well, where are you getting that from Micah 6, 8? Cause I'm looking down and I'm seeing you're not supposed to have dishonest scales. And so, so you're, you're talking about, you know, so it, it, it completely dismantles it. I think with, if you just start reading the rest of the passage, um, but that they do this all the time. I mean, we're seeing right now with the whole vaccine thing, right? Uh, if you love your neighbor, you're going to get the vax. Like it's a general principle and they're smuggling in their very specific application that it's, it's not the right application. In fact, I posted on Twitter and, I, and I, I'm not putting this on you, Joel, or anyone else out there. So don't, don't worry. He, I'm not saying you agree with me, but I put um, on Facebook rather, like I want to love my neighbor by telling them the truth and standing up for their liberty. <laughs> So why isn't that a valid? So, so that's, that's the problem. We use these very general categories and then act like anyone who deviates is, you know, you're, you're not in keeping with what the Bible says. Well, the Bible gives us specifics in other places. And that's kind of the point. It, it comments, it gives us a whole, a bunch of laws, especially the old Testament that show us what that means to do justice. That's where the definition yep. is. So um, hopefully that helps people. No, you're absolutely right. And that's why we need the law of God. Um, that's absolutely right. Know, so so we love, I mean, for, for any Christian who may be listening to this and is just like, man, you emphasize the law so much. And how, how do you get there? Here, here's just a simple explanation. First um, John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. All right, so God loves us because God loves us. Um, for anyone that God salvifically loves in and through his son, Jesus Christ, he awakens us by that love, gives us new hearts and spiritual eyes and spiritual ears um, to respond, to be awakened to that love, to find that love irresistible, and to reciprocate that love. So we love because he first loved us. So for those that, that God so loved, for God so loved the world, so those that God loves, he awakens, um, and then we come to love him back, and then all we have to do is go from 1 John four nineteen to what Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So God loves us first in the gospel. He opens our hearts to respond in faith and repentance of sin in the gospel. 
to love him back. Now, if we love him, we'll obey him. The very next question is, what are your commandments? Jesus has two. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And a great the very next you question. about the great requirement. <laughs> <laughs> but the very next question that we should ask as Christians is, okay, so love God and love people, right? I mean, I see that on every billboard of every church, you know, and like, okay, but here's, here's the final step that I think Christians miss. Um, you don't get to define what is loving towards God and what is loving towards people. What is actually love of neighbor? This is why the Decalogue, I believe, is helpful. Um, In the first four commandments, the first table of the law, we see how to love God. Have no other gods before him. Um, Not to have any graven images. It's funny. Me me and my wife, we were vacationing in Fredericksburg, Texas, and we passed by this Catholic church, and they had a big stone monument outside the two tables, the two um, tablets of, of the Ten Commandments, um, but what they do, so funny, I took a picture of it. I'll have to post it sometime, but what they do is they take, uh, thou shall not covet. And they, and they spread that out from commandment number 10 to commandment number nine and 10. Oh, so the first right. one is thou yep. shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And then right. it says, and thou shall not covet his livestock. And that way they can get rid of the second commandment. Thou shall not have graven images because Catholics love their idols. Can't, can't have that in the Ten Commandments. So anyways, we're not Catholics. We're Protestants. We believe the Bible. So thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not have graven images. We don't worship by sight. Uh, we live by faith, not by sight. And faith comes by hearing. It is word-centric, uh, not, not tassels and robes and images and paintings. Um, and, then, and then we don't take the Lord's name in vain. That means we love God with sincerity. And then we honor the Sabbath and we keep it holy. Um, and, and that's how we love God. And how do we love our neighbor? Exactly what you were saying, John. Like we, we honor our, our father and mother because they're, they're neighbors and they're very close neighbors. Uh, we, we also don't do our neighbor no harm, right? So thou shalt not murder. The, the, the bedrock of that is to esteem human life. And that's where everyone says, well, you got to get the jab. You got to get the jab. But, but we know the data about the jab says this is what the jab does. The jab, and this is the CDC, the latest data on the jab is that the jab is a non-neighbor loving jab. It is a self-loving jab because all it does is it limits your risk of severe side effects, hospitalization, and potential death due to the virus. What it does not do is it does not cause you, in the case of Delta, which is the primary variant that is spreading throughout the nation and all over the world right now, it does not stop you from contracting or spreading the virus to your neighbor. So the jab is a self-preserving jab. And I'm not even saying that it's wrong to self-preserve. I'm just saying... Don't tell me that I need to do this to love my neighbor. There is a commandment that part of loving my neighbor is to not commit murder. That's the sixth commandment. But but the CDC explicitly tells me that in my attempts to not harm my neighbor, this jab won't help towards that end. It only helps to preserve myself. But then I have other commandments that tell me how, my, how to love my neighbor. And one of them that you mentioned, John, is thou shalt not bear false witness. That's why I, I won't even wear a mask because I, I think that there is a psychology. There is, there is a point being conveyed in society that says, run for your lives, hide under a rock. And it's just, that doesn't mean, I'm not making an argument, thou shalt not wear a mask. I wouldn't um, bind Christians' consciences with that. But for me personally, I, I'm not going to wear a mask and I'm certainly not going to require it at church. We don't forbid masks. We don't require masks because anything that you do as a pastor, for any pastor listening real quick, anything that you do as a church-wide decision with your elder, you just, you got to be real careful about that. Um, these, these are, that's a big deal to say that um, we're going to have a mask only service um, because you are now adding masks to the requirement. You're saying you can't, you're effectively saying you cannot come to the Lord's table. 
because communion is rightly administered at church. You cannot, you are banned and barred from the Lord's table if you do not wear a mask. So, so we're not forbidding them. We're not requiring them. And I personally am not wearing them because I think it, it bears false witness. I think it says something um, that, that, is, that is not true. And then lastly, we, we don't covet. And there goes your social justice because it's pretty much all rooted in covetousness. Uh, okay. Somebody has something I want. How do I get it? Well, if I just go and break into their house and steal it, that probably won't fly. But if I can take that person, identify him with a group of people, and then go back about 250 years and find something that they did wrong, and, you know, social justice is literally, it's just covetousness, and it's trying to get something that someone else has that you want and doing it with groups instead of individuals. Would you, would you agree with, with I that think, I think it's that, but it, I think it's also more, it's, so it's not just coveting, but it's also there's a revenge. It's, it's I want to hurt them. It's not mm-hmm. just I want want their car for me it's i want them to be without a car because i really want them to You're feel right. the pain because i'm bitter against them and i'm and blaming them for in, in a way like white privilege is almost like a it's a it's like providence you know we as christians we think of god as um he even the trials in our lives are uh ordained by him and uh they have purpose you read the beginning of james and you see a purpose there for them and I think for the social justice advocates, oftentimes they treat things like white privilege um, in the same way. Like the reason that th- the world spins the way it does is because of these power dynamics. And um, and so it, it's it's kind of like a bitterness against that, a bitterness against just the, the status quo, the way the world is, and a, a trying to lash out and change it somehow. Um and, and uh, punish those who are responsible for uh, the, the inequities. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, like right, right now though, what you were just talking about the mask thing uh, in evangelicalism, there's uh, such a, um, and, and I don't even know what that means to be honest with you. When I say evangelicalism, I think I do know what it means, but like theologically, I don't know what it means anymore. Like I, I know the group of people I'm talking about just so everyone is clear. Um, I'm talking about like gospel coalition, Christianity today. I don't even know. Um, T4G. T4G. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, nine marks would be part of that. Like the conservative, quote quote unquote, evangelicalism, people that believe the Bible uh, and they could sign like a faith statement that we could sign most likely. Um, What they're doing is they are they're looking at what the world right now says is important and what's in style. And they're trying to, there's a, there certainly is a pragmatic element where they're, they're trying to adjust themselves. So to, to kind of present to the world, this is who we are. We are, uh, we're not against the job. We're actually pushing the job. We are, um, you know, don't, don't come knocking at my door when you're upset about racism. Cause I told all those redneck, you know, Christian bigots out there. That's not me. They, they really want to position themselves as not associated with most of the people in their, in their faith. <laughs> and like they're in the corner of the, the elites and the power brokers. And I think that, and I don't know to what extent that drives it and what, to what extent ideologue, like I could look at someone like a Russell Moore and think, okay, that guy's in maybe an ideologue. Like he really does actually believe what he's saying. But I think a lot of people, it's just human nature. We go with the flow. That's why we wear the masks and we get the jab and everything else. Like we, we tend to just, Oh, where's the crowd going? And we do that. And there's a lot of people that are pastors who are not acting with conviction right now. They're not thinking through things biblically. Uh, They're just going with what is easy and what will help them keep their status 
their quality of life uh, going and, um, and, and so they don't have to sacrifice as much. And I know that is incredibly, uh, that's accusatory. I know people will hear that and they're saying, are you accused? I, I am, I, I am saying that. I am saying that there's a whole lot of people out there that uh, are leading the church. They are at least they're in a position of shepherd, but their priority is not the word of God. And they're not answering to God primarily. They're, they fear men. And, um, and, and if you're a layman in a church, you know, that's one thing you want to, you want to be testing those things. You want to be asking hard questions. You want your pastor to be someone who's going to hold firm to the truth, no matter what. And yep. th that's a good pastor right there. I mean, you're, you're one of those people, Joel, you're, you're not afraid to, to share the truth and to think through things biblically. Uh, and that's a rare quality. So find Thanks, someone John. like Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And honestly, one of my concerns, um, I was just recording the other day, it won't be released for a couple of weeks, but uh, an episode of my podcast called Questions. Um, basically, the question was, what if Trump wins in 2024? And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and <laughs> I, one of my concerns is that uh, whether it be Trump or, or DeSantis or, you know, Basically, like the, the question was getting at, you know, what if conservatives take take things back? What, what, if, they, what if they win? And 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 what if not just at that level, right? So make it broader than just the presidency, you know. But but as people, I mean, there's so much exposure happening right now, and in, in a, a really good way, the, the lid is being blown off. You got Project Veritas, you know. You've got the Daily Wire. You've got. Um, you know, Jordan Peterson, you've got Charlie Kirk, you know, you've got all these different Ali Best Stucky, you know, and the blaze and, and, and these yeah. things are growing. I mean, they, they are rapid. The daily wire is just blowing up. You know, we were talking before we started recording about like Doug Wilson, you know, and how like his church has, has almost doubled in the last year because people are like, I want to get out of my blue state. Idaho seems pretty red and Doug Wilson, I've heard this scandal or that scandal, federal vision. I don't even know what that is, but the dude, I'm listening to his blog and May blog, and he's, he offers sanity, you know? And, and, and so, anyways, all these guys who, who, who took a stand and who are being bold, um, a lot of them are growing. They're, they're, so there is a cost, like you said, you know, like guys who are willing to, to do things, to go against the grain, right? Um, come what may. And that's mm -hmm. true. Um, I think, you know, uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim, Pilgrim's Progress, you know, and... Um, I forget what the guy's name is, but he talks about, you know, I love religion when it walks around in its silver slippers and its, its gown and its robes. Like he's saying, I like religion during times when it's praised by men, when it's fashionable and praiseworthy to be religious. And religion is being used in a positive sense in, in Bunyan's writings. Um, you know, but, but I don't like it when it's not popular. And so what, what I'm trying to get at is this. A, a lot of guys who are taking a stand and being bold, right now, honestly... Um, yeah, there's some fallout and, and yeah, you know, like I, I remember in 2019, I lost a third of my church, um, by preaching through first Timothy and, and spending weeks and weeks on first Timothy two verses nine wow. through, uh, through 15 and talking about basically yeah. I, I was debunking complementarianism, um, the wishy washy complementarianism that, that gets into eternal subordination of the sun, which I would, I would reject, um, and gets into, you know, uh, this, basically this idea that, you know, the, the, the Father and the Son, you know, share the exact same essence, the divine essence, one God, three persons, um, and yet they have differing roles. And so there's, you know, that's been kind of the popular mantra in the complementarian world is that men and women are exactly the same. They're just called to do something different. That role is arbitrary. God mm -hmm. arbitrarily assigns 
roles. Like he, he assigns the role uh, for fish to swim and the role for birds to, to fly. And it has nothing to do with the fact that birds have feathers and wings in a hollow bone structure right. and fifth ha- fish have gills and fins. And so anyways, I lost a third of my church in 2019 because I, I think that, w- that was not popular. However, the stance that I've taken with masks, the stance that I've taken with the jab, the stance that I've taken about the lockdowns, um, the stance that I've taken against critical race theory, these guys, I, I've only experienced church growth. Now, granted, I'm planting another church now in Texas, and so there's a lot of variables in the mix. But, but I mean, Right Response Ministries has blown up as, we've, as we have taken some of these stances. And so all that being said, back to the question of what if Trump wins, my, my point was um, I'm afraid that in the political sphere, in the media sphere— um, as as the lid is being blown off, as, as things are being revealed, I'm afraid that these guys who come out, the guys that you were just naming, you know, who who come out of of their house, the first thing that they do, and th- this is their pastoral schedule. If you're ever wondering what you know, somebody with the Gospel Coalition, a local pastor who's affiliated with the Gospel Coalition, what what a what a day in his pastoral ministry looks like. It looks like this. The first thing he does is he, he gets up, he gets a cup of coffee, he puts on his clothes, he walks outside, he licks his finger, he puts it into the air to see which way the wind is blowing. That's, I thought you were going to say his... he logs onto Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, and then, and then he logs onto Twitter. Yeah, and that's, and that's the, how he actually does the finger thing. So anyways, but all that being said, my point is, I think it's changing though. I think there's a, this grassroots, people are fed up and, and they're starting to see that, that people are just carrying water for the political left. And, and a lot of Christians, are, they're just tired of it. So my concern is, my concern is what if the opposite happens? What, what, if, what if there's a resurgence? What if there is a, a revival of sorts? There's, there's a renewal amongst God's people uh, where courage is coming back in. My fear is that these guys, right? These, the guys in evangelicalism that you're talking that they'll, that they'll see it, they'll sniff it out, and they'll run. They're, they're going, they've been going this way for years, leading people astray. But then the people are listening to other voices because my sheep hear my voice, said Jesus. So those who are actually Christians are starting to hear the right voices. They're going to start going the other way. And I'm afraid that these, these quasi-shepherds are going to see that, and they're going to run and act like they've been leading them the whole time and get back ahead of it. And, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, and then start saying similar things to what we're saying, but, but three years from now, four years from now, five years from now. And, yeah. and then, and then when me and you try to point something out, then it's going to be really, really difficult. And people are going to say, well, they repented. And I'm always going to be sitting here questioning whether or not it was repentance, because again, it's religion in its silver slippers. Once it became fashionable again. So, so to me, I'm going to have some serious doubts about repentance because, because, Real repentance isn't worldly sorrow like Esau who cries once it hurts him, once he misses out on the blessing. But real repentance is willing to, to confess sin and to repent even when, it, when it's costly. As a special thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll be happy to send you a free digital book from our store. To access this offer, visit rightresponseministries.com offer. We highly recommend Pastor Joel's book, Am I Truly Saved? If you or someone you know has wrestled with doubts about the love of God, this would be a great resource. As a reminder, to get this offer, go to rightresponseministries.com slash offer. And thank you for your generous support.